Oh dear. Welcome to the Coffee and Coding Podcast, where we discuss all things app development. I'm your host, Rob J, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking about A-B testing, kill switches, and a bunch of other things that app development companies generally aren't doing that they should be. Now on to the show. Okay, so I was trying to think of what I could talk about in this episode that would be useful to you, and something that I've been thinking a lot about recently, and that I've spoken recently to somebody on a podcast about actually, so keep keep an eye out for that, that'll be coming later on in the season, is things that generally app development companies specifically don't take advantage of. I've worked for a bunch, a bunch of apps and almost every company I've worked for hasn't implemented any of these or has implemented them really badly. And they're really, really useful tools to make a difference in user retention and user experience and all of that kind of stuff. And also these are some things that are really useful to bring to the table when you are applying for a gig or when you're in a role right now, these are some of the things that you can bring to people that they might not be thinking about that could dramatically impact their app success. So the first thing that I have on my list is A-B testing. Now, you've probably heard of A-B testing, but if you haven't, A-B testing is very simply you test something which is called A against something which is called B. And essentially, it could be anything. So for example, in an app, you could be A-B testing the label on a button. So you could have a button that says purchase, and then you could A-B test that against the exact same button, but you change the text from purchase to buy, for example. And then you could A-B test and say, right, 50% of my users will see the button that says purchase, and 50% of the users will see the button that says buy, and we'll see which button increases the amount of purchases essentially and then you can decide which label to go with because you've seen that if you show buy instead of purchase then the amount of people that actually buy the product goes up by 80%. So that would be an example of A-B testing and in terms of app development you can use it for pretty much anything. So you could A-B test colors, you could A-B test labels, you could A-B test prices. I've A-B tested on my own apps subscriptions at different levels of price. So for example Read It To Me has a monthly subscription and it has a yearly subscription. And rather than just saying, right, I think a good price for a monthly subscription is 99 cents. And I think a good price for a yearly subscription is 9.99. I was able to A-B test all of that stuff. So a portion of my user base would see when they were to buy the product, it would cost, you know, 9.99 for the year. Another portion of my audience would see it cost 8.99 for a year. Another portion of my users would see it cost 12.99 for a year. And then at the end of that, I was able to see on a graph, these are the amount of purchases you had at this price. This is the amount you had at this price. And you can see which price performs best. And then you can take that as your price that you show to everybody, or you can take it one step further, find your winning result. So let's say my winning result was $12.99 for the year. And then I could run another A-B test with $12.99 versus $14.99 versus $6.99, et cetera, et cetera. And you can keep going and tweaking that. And so the way that I would highly recommend you use it is Firebase Remote Config. I really like Firebase. Firebase is free. Remote Config works really, really well. And essentially, it just lets you in the app, you can set Booleans or ints or strings, and then you can also set them on Remote Config. So when the app has an internet connection, it will go and fetch the latest version of that. If it can't find a version of that or the user doesn't have an internet connection, then it will use whatever your default is in the app. And if it can find it, then it will use whatever the default is there, which then means that you can section out your user base and just split split them into random, you know, 
50-50 percentage of your audience, 50 gets this remote config flag and 50 gets this other one. And then at the end of it, it will tell you if you run an experiment, which one performed best and you can take the action from there. And the reason I specifically bring this up as something that you could bring to your employer or bring to your own app is because I've worked for so many companies who just change things on the fly because they think this is what's going to perform better or they think something is the reason why the app is not performing well. So for example, let's say you have an app and you can make posts and you know 90% of users aren't making any posts, they're just scrolling their feed, but they don't actually post anything. Now you could test out moving the button around to different places, changing the labels on the button, changing the color of the button to post and trying to find different combinations of layouts and UI and UX that would increase the amount of people that actually post. But a lot of companies don't do that. They just decide, oh, people are not posting. It's probably because this button is blue, this button is not green. So let's make the button green. Or it's probably because the button is not big enough. Or it's probably because the button doesn't have a good icon. Let's change the icon. But rather than doing all of that and just wasting development time, you can test these things. So one of the things that I do if I'm building an app from scratch is every string in the app runs through a string handler. So I create something which would be a a string manager or a string resolver, call it whatever you want. And so if I need a string that's hard coded in the app, rather than just getting the string in Android, it would be getting it from the Android system. I would instead get it from the string resolver and inside my string resolver, it will check remote config. Is there a updated version of the string? Yes or no. And if there's not, pull it locally, which means that on the fly, if I decide that I want to A-B test any string that is in the app, I can just add it to remote config And the next time somebody fires up the app is always checking to see if any of these strings in the app have a new remote config version. And if, and then, and then that way I can test on the fly. So I don't have to create app releases to test stuff. It's already done. And you can do this for a bunch of things. And it's something that I think is really, really, really underutilized. So that's just the first thing that I kind of want to bring to the table that I definitely don't see companies using that they should be using. And it could make a huge difference to their app success. The second thing that people definitely don't make use of is a kill switch or a maintenance mode. And the reason that I bring this up is I have worked for so many companies, startups especially, where they release the app, everything's good. Now they want to do an API upgrade and the API upgrade is going to break all of their apps, but they don't have the money or they don't have the infrastructure to run the old API and the new API side by side and keep the databases in sync. So they have to do a hard switch to the new API, but that means that they have to upgrade everybody at the same time. And of course, that's not going to happen because some people don't have auto updates enabled. Some people have them enabled, but don't often have an internet connection to be able to update their apps. And some people just never update their apps or some people are on a version of the OS that is no longer supported. So they can't actually update the app in the first place. So whatever version they have is the version that they're stuck with forever. And so they end up in the situation where you need all your users to update. You can't get, you can't guarantee all your users are going to update at the same time. And you don't have any crossover periods for people to still be using the old version of the app while you wait for them to upgrade while some other people are using the new version of the app. So you have to come to a compromise between a bad user experience, either for the new users of the app or the old users of the app or plan C or the third option would be release a new version of the app pointing to the old API with no changes other than you've added a kill switch in the app. So once every single user has updated to this new version of the app, which could take, you know, three weeks, it could take a month to get everybody over to the new version of the app. 
you can then switch on a flag in the, on the back end that says this version of the app is no longer supported. And then you can do your API upgrade. You can release the new version of the app that points to the new API and the old version of the app that everybody now has will show them a screen saying this app is no longer supported. You need to update and force everybody to update. Or you could do that from the start, which is why I heavily advocate for having some sort of kill switch or maintenance mode built into the app. And what I'm talking about literally is just a screen that has some text on it. Think of it like a 404 screen that you would have on the web, but in your app. So it's just a screen that has some text on it that says either, sorry, we're currently doing maintenance, we'll be back soon, or sorry, you need to update to the new version of the app. This version of the app is no longer supported. Or you can make it dynamic and you could pull the strings from remote config depending on what you want the user to do. So if you're forcing them to update, you could change the strings to say update. Or if you're Ask if you're telling them that you, you know, the server's down for a little bit, then you could change the strings to say that. And you can also trigger this either by a remote config flag, which is why I'm a huge fan of remote config, which would literally be is maintenance mode on equals true or false. Or you could create your own endpoint in your own backend and you just hit that endpoint and it would either return, you know, an empty body if there's no reason to show maintenance mode or it would return the body that expects you to show so it would have the text labels that you want the user to see and show them on the app or something that I've seen companies use before which I thought was pretty neat is they would uh, designate a HTTP code so any API call that you make if maintenance mode was on or that version of the API or that version of the app is no longer supported it would return a specific HTTP code so I'm just going to say let's say it returns 502 it's probably terrible practice but let's for example it would return 502 so in the app anytime you get a 502 back you immediately show this screen with the message you know this app is in maintenance mode or this app needs to be updated and then you avoid that situation where you can't update your back end because your front end is pointing at the wrong thing by literally just forcing users to upgrade and it's also a really great way to force users to upgrade because let's say you created a version of the app that crashes for everybody and everybody's updated. So rather than them having this horrible UX experience and then having to go to the app store or the play store and check for an update to fix it, you could literally just turn on a flag, show them a message saying, this version of the app is no longer supported, you need to update and force them to update to the fixed version of the app. So a kill switch or a maintenance mode switch, call it whatever you want, is something that I highly, highly recommend. The third thing on my list is asking for in-app reviews. I see so many companies have no way in their app to leave a review. And I did a whole episode on this back in season one. So I'll link it in the show notes. You can go and check it out. But very simply speaking, you should have somewhere in your app that after a designated period of time, depending on what a user gets from your app. So for example, if it's a shopping app, if the user's bought two items, that's the point at which you could show them the pop-up that says, would you like to leave a review? Or if it's a game, you know, if the user's played the game for four hours in total, then you show them, would you like to leave a review? You know, you want to show it at a point when you feel like they're going to leave a positive review. You don't want to show it in the first five minutes when they haven't really used the app. and you, Or you don't want to show it to somebody who has used the app for five minutes, never opened it again, and then the next time they open it in 60 days, they're like, do you want to leave a review? Because they maybe never opened it again because they didn't think it was a good app. And that's another thing that's super straightforward that I don't see companies using is just in-app pop-ups. You want to get good reviews Good reviews is how you get more downloads, it's how you get more users, it's how you get more people to use your app because nobody's going to go to the app store, find an app by search 
and it's got 2.3 stars and download it. Like you don't do that. I don't do that. Nobody does that. The only time you do that, if it's a very specific app. So for example, if it was the app for my bank, I would go on the Play Store or the App Store. I imagine the reviews are terrible because most banking apps are pretty terrible, but I need to use the app. So I'm going to download it anyways. But aside from those very limited scenarios, if you don't have good reviews, people won't want to download your app. And if you don't ask for good, if you don't ask for positive reviews, then generally speaking, people aren't going to leave your review because nobody thinks to do it. So this is a nice, easy way to get better reviews. And it's another thing that I don't see companies taking advantage of. Quick interruption. If you're a fan of the show, I'd love it if you could leave it a positive rating review in your podcast app of choice. Contrary to what you might have heard, it doesn't actually help the show be discovered, but it does provide the social proof that it's a show worth listening to. So if you have 30 seconds to spare, I'd really, really appreciate it. And now back to the show. And then the final thing that I want to talk about, which I don't see companies take advantage of, which I think personally is pretty crazy, is having a test community. Having a beta community or an alpha community, having a community where you can roll out releases to the users that have either you've hand selected, these are my test users, or like I do in my apps, is I have in the app a way to sign up for the beta community. So anybody who wants to be a part of the beta community can. And all that means is I can then release a new version of the app. I can push it to the beta channel first. And then that way, if there's issues, the users on those channels generally expect there to be issues because they're testing, you know, quote unquote, the cutting edge version of the app. And so they expect there to be issues. They report the issues to you. You get to fix them before it goes out into the wild and every single one of the users experiences that issue. And also it's a really great way to get feedback. So you could do A-B testing on your beta community if you didn't want to roll it out to your entire community get some really good feedback, help narrow down those results. And then rather than testing five things, you could narrow it down to two things that you then want to test live. So having a beta community, I think is really important, especially when it comes to releases, just to sanity check, because those are the users that are using your app. And those are the users that are going to find the issues that you don't find through your own QA. So that's another thing that I don't see companies do that I highly recommend that they should be doing. And so those are my top things that come to mind when I think about all the things that I try and encourage companies that I work with to do that they either refuse to do or just cannot be bothered to. And so I'm going to leave it there. I would really like to hear your thoughts on on things that you've seen companies do that you think work, work really well or things that you haven't seen companies do that you think they should be doing. Or if you've done things with your own app in terms of A-B testing or anything like that, I'd be really interested to hear it. So you can hit me up. I'm at Low Carb Rob everywhere on social media. Or you could, if, if, or if you want to send me an email, you can hit me up at rob at coffeeencodingpod.com. Thanks for listening and I will see you next week. And that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or fellow developer. And if you really want to support the show, you can do so with a coffee donation at coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash donate. And if you don't want to miss future episodes of the show, make sure you follow or subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode of the Coffee Encoding Podcast. Podcast.